This is Latin Pulse, a weekly analysis of news and public affairs in Latin America. Brought to you in cooperation with American University's School of Communication in Washington, D.C. and Link TV. And now here's host, Rick Rockwell. Bienvenidos and welcome to Latin Pulse. This week we're coming to you one day early to highlight this special program on the Mayan calendar. Some might believe we're hedging our bets because they believe the tales that the calendar predicts the end of the world on the solstice, December 21st of 2012. However, this program is all about setting that myth to rest. We'll have more from the experts about just what the Maya may have really meant a bit later. But first, Kurt Devine is here with our weekly review of news from around Latin America. Mexico announced plans to create a new military-trained police force to tackle crime and violence throughout the country. The new force will start with 10,000 officers but could eventually grow to employ 40,000. Mexico's president, Enrique Peña Nieto, said that rather than targeting drug cartels, the officers will focus on preventing kidnapping, extortion, and other crimes that affect ordinary Mexicans. Peña Nieto believes this force will also reduce police corruption. Senior researcher for Human Rights Watch, Nick Steinberg, said police corruption has contributed to a growing trend of undocumented disappearances in Mexico. 25,000 people in Mexico went missing during the administration of President Calderón from 2007 roughly to the present. And there's an overlap between security forces and organized crime. And these are, are pretty sinister cases because we know that police are, or soldiers are responsible for picking someone up, and then we have confessions that they have actually handed over these people to criminal groups. In addition to the new police force, Steinberg said Mexico should create a national database of individuals who have disappeared. Argentina's government began a process to break up the country's largest media outlet, Grupo Clarín. President Cristina Fernandez says the company violates laws prohibiting corporate monopolies, but Grupo Clarín executives say Fernandez wants to divide the company because of its government criticisms. Grupo Clarín has 237 media licenses, but Argentine law allows for only 24 cable licenses and 10 free-to-air licenses. Political analysts say the case could go before the Supreme Court and take months or years to resolve. Argentina successfully appealed to an international tribunal this week that a United Nations convention exempts its navy from civil court findings. The case involved an Argentine naval training vessel, the Libertad, that was impounded in the African nation of Ghana for more than two months. The ship sailed for home after the court finding. A global investment firm had sought to seize the ship, seeking $300 million it said it was owed from Argentina's debt default in 2002. Venezuela's president, Hugo Chavez, suffered a respiratory infection after undergoing cancer surgery in Cuba. Officials say his condition is now stable, but the infection follows a series of health complications from the surgery, including unexpected bleeding. Chavez is scheduled to begin his fourth term as president on January 10th. If his health fails, Venezuela will hold another presidential election. The 58-year-old president has not spoken publicly since his surgery on December 11th but he previously designated Vice President Nicolas Maduro as his chosen successor. For Latin Pulse, I'm Kurt Devine. Thanks, Kurt. Apocalyptic beliefs and the idea that the end times are here at the change of a new year are nothing new. Some may remember how some in the media hyped the Y2K scare 13 years ago, or the various predictions of the Christian rapture during recent years, which also 
did not materialize, or the idea that the planets would align in 1982, causing some sort of gravitational doom. History shows such stories can be traced back to Roman myths more than 2,000 years ago, some of which also predicted the end of Rome based upon calendar myths and dates. But like the panic surrounding the War of the Worlds broadcast in the 20th century, the deadly and suicidal thoughts some contemplate connected to the misunderstanding of the Mayan calendar interpretations are real. So real that NASA held a seminar on the World Wide Web last month to dispel the doomsday rumors. David Morrison of NASA discussed how people are taking the fantasy and fears and changing them into anxieties. That they can't sleep, they can't eat. Some of them have said they're contemplating suicide. Uh, there was one case of a teacher in, in Stockton who had the parents of two of her students come and say they were planning to kill their children and themselves to escape this apocalypse. So while it's a joke to many people and a mystery to others, there is a core of people who are truly concerned, and I think it's appropriate that NASA should answer these questions that are being sent to us. NASA isn't the only government agency confidently warning against doomsday beliefs. The Guatemalan government is opening all of its major Mayan archaeological sites free of charge on December 21st and 22nd, not only to dispel the doomsday myth, but to honor Mayan culture. Dr. Mark Van Stone of Southwest College and the author of 2012, Science and Prophecy of the Ancient Maya, discussed this important date with us via long-distance phone line from his office in San Diego. When I first started writing my book about uh, 2012, and my scholar friend said, why are you doing that? I said, because I want people to know that the Maya were, were more than one-dimensional prophets of doom. You know, people know two or three things about the ancient Maya. They, uh, they had a magical calendar, and they're great mathematicians and astronomers. Uh, they performed blood sacrifice, cutting out people's hearts, and they predicted the end of the world. And that's about all people know. And um, uh, the reason that I wrote my book as an art book was to, to, to draw attention to their, to their you know, sophisticated and beautiful uh, civilization and culture that was much more interesting than mere prophets of doom. Well, there are between two and 3,000 books about 2012 on the market now. These are printed books, and there's, you know, a, a square that to get the number of websites. Um, and when my colleagues started talking about how they just wanted 2012 to go away, that it was, it was an annoyance and a problem to, uh, to scholarship and tr truth and so forth, I thought this is a good idea, a good opportunity, a good opportunity to to bring attention to the Maya to a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't even even go exploring about them. To my surprise, the Maya actually never predicted that the calendar would end. They never predicted that the calendar would restart in 2012. It would just continue on from 13 Bakhtuns to 14. Uh, 13 Bakhtuns is the Maya way of saying the date uh, of December 20-something, 2012. They never gave any indication that they thought the status quo would change um, or that, uh, you know, the Galactic Brotherhood would invite us in or anything like that. Uh, they actually believed, like most people do, that their culture would go on and on and on, and they predict that in the year 4772 they will still be worshipping their king and they will uh, 
the calendar will still be going on up. So uh, let's go back to Bakhtun 13, because yeah. supposedly Bakhtun 13 equates to December 21st, 2012. And and so why has there been this this great mythology that has been built up over the end of Bakhtun 13? Um, it all started because the Maya talk about their creation date as being the end of a 13 Bakhtun period. They, they give the date 13-0-0-0-0 as creation instead of 0 And it should have been 0 You know, our year zero is just a simple zero, but they, they conceived of that time, that date, the creation of our world as being the end of a 5,000-year cycle um, that had, you know, started in 8900-something B.C. and ended in 3114 B.C. And uh, they're very specific about the dates and the number of days, and they like to do mathematical manipulations with those numbers of days. And so scholars, starting over a century ago, began to speculate that the Maya had this great cycle of 13 Bakhtuns, 13 times... Um, um, 13 times 400 years, that they, that they believed that this cycle would re- recur and that there would be a new creation and so forth. And so scholars speculated like this way back at the beginning of the century. And that idea, that scholarly speculation, seeped out into the mainstream. And uh, there's a couple of popular books, a book called The Ancient Maya by Sylvanus Morley and another one called The Maya by Michael Coe, which were both widely used as textbooks. And so many, many college students were exposed to this speculation. Uh, what, what, what the speculators didn't realize is that they were letting loose a, a weed, uh, you know, an invasive species, if you will, that, that seeped out into the general public's ideas about things. And, and this weed took root among uh, speculators of a non-scientific nature. And then these scholars went on and came up with other ideas, and the, the word, the memo didn't get out to the mainstream that they had changed their ideas, that there were other ideas about the future. In fact, there are several scholars who still uh, state that the Maya, at least some Maya, had a belief that uh, there was a 13 Bakhtun cycle that recurs again and again. And uh, many, many scholars will still say that in 2012, the calendar will reset and go back to zero like a clock at midnight. But I'm here to tell you that uh, there is no evidence for that. There's no, no statement, no hint, no inference, uh, no implication in Maya uh, literature. Van Stone collaborated with Ko on the book Reading the Maya Glyphs, which unlocked many of the secrets of these ancient messages. Mike is brilliant. He's, he's, he's not just a brilliant archaeologist, and synthesis of information, but he's also a very, very good uh, writer for the general public. And that that's why he's, he's, his many books have been so popular, is that they're not written just for other scholars. He's, he's the best. I, I admire him greatly. And, and in his first popular book about the Maya, called the Maya, in 1966, he began uh, a thread of speculation about what the 13 Bakhtun cycle must have meant. And he, I think, was the first Maya scholar to use the word Armageddon. Uh, he tended to think of, uh, 
you know, he's, again, he's writing for a popular audience, and so he's describing this Maya cycle as being, you know, much like uh, our world before the flood. You know, God said, this is not quite right, I'm going to fix it. He sent Noah's flood, he saved a few people, and, and you know, Mike described the creation of our world as being kind of like a post-diluvial uh, world that the uh, that the gods had uh, had created, and then he goes on to compare it to the Hindu kalpas, these large, you know, immense cycles of time where uh, things get repeated uh, from before, and you know, some are better than others, and perhaps there's a, a growth and improvement each time, and perhaps there's a, a devolution each time. But but Mike was the first to use uh, to describe these in such grand and glowing terms. And uh, this has continued through uh, several of his books, including the several editions of the Maya. Um, and, uh, you know, he and I might disagree on the details. Uh, the fact that I did not find any uh, emic evidence, any evidence from the original Maya that supported the, such an idea um, doesn't, doesn't stop him from saying things like, uh, well, 13000 was an important date for the Maya. It was a fabulously important date. It was the date of their creation. Even if their calendar doesn't stop in 2012, they must have imagined this being the great anniversary of creation. And uh, they, they must have believed that something really, really important was attached to this. And, and I agree with him there, except that um, the Maya never specified to us what that was. And, and I want to say that different cities... The, the, the Maya cities were as different from each other as the Greek cities. They, you know, the Spartans and the Athenians, they worshipped the same gods, but they were not the same people. Um, and, and the Maya cities had incredible diversity from city to city, and it's entirely possible that we could dig up at some point uh, an inscription that tells us that somebody somewhere believed that there would be a big change coming in 13000, but uh, we haven't found it yet. What we have found is only evidence to the contrary that they didn't put any particular uh, emphasis on this date. Now, that being said, there are two Maya inscriptions that do look ahead and specify 13000. One of them is Tortuguero Monument 6, which uh, starts out talking a lot about the great conquests and accomplishments of uh, a king, uh, Bala Mahau, a jaguar lord, who... Um, uh, I'm not sure if he's buried in that building or they're just uh, putting up this monument in his, in his name, but at the very end of the inscription, after telling about all of his uh, accomplishments and conquests, they jump ahead without telling us why, and they count ahead uh, over three Bakhtuns, over 1,200 years into the future, and they state that on uh, December something, 2012, that uh, Bolon Yokte was very important, but not very well understood, at least to us, not very well understood, uh, God, Bologna will put on a costume in the Great Investiture. Now, what that means is he's going to dress up. And to us, that seems rather odd thing to predict for the future, but dressing up as a god was the main way that uh, Maya kings connected with the gods. That's how they took care of their people. They channeled gods by dressing as them uh, in this great investiture. And so what it's telling us is that in 2012, Balon who is otherwise unmentioned in the inscription, will don a costume. And it doesn't say a costume of whom. It doesn't say why. It doesn't say what he's going to talk to the gods about when he does connect with the gods or anything. It just it, it tells us this in four glyphs. 
And one of those foreglyphs is, it will happen. There has been a second inscription recently found in June, uh, dug up at La Corona um, by Marcello Canuto that, that, that has the date 2012. And it tells us even less. You mentioned that Coe, in his writings in the 60s, brought up this issue of Armageddon or Apocalypse. Has he corrected that or, or backed away from that in, in any time since the 60s? I believe he said that his latest edition will uh, will uh, will 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 change that because you know he realized he let loose a monster. Coming up, we'll hear from one of the first experts to counter the beliefs that Mayans had predicted the end of the world in 2012. Stay with us. Democracy is synonymous with independence. Independence is synonymous with emancipation. Emancipation is synonymous with sovereignty. Sovereignty is synonymous with superiority. Superiority is synonymous with arrogance. Arrogance is synonymous with domination. And domination is synonymous with dictatorship. Dictatorship always finds its way. Amnesty International. Learn. Indignate. Act. Welcome back to the Latin Pulse special on the Mayan calendar. Dr. David Friedel of Washington University in St. Louis and the co-author of Maya Cosmos was one of the first archaeologists to counter the views that the Mayan calendar predicted apocalypse in 2012. He discussed his work with us via Skype. The Maya believed in an eternal world, uh, a cyclical one, but it was cyclical in a very, very long, long term. Uh, as uh, my collaborator Linda Sheely and I proposed, we celebrate uh, the birthday of the world in Judaism. We celebrate the advent of Jesus in Christmas. Um, most of the great traditions of faith in the world have some way of calculating a beginning, not all. But they seem to be as interested in the beginning as the end. And the Maya in particular were not interested very much in the end of this creation, although in their stories, particularly uh, the Book of Counsel of the Quiche Maya of Highland Guatemala, called the Popo Vu, they talk about previous creations. And so we are in a fourth creation as far as that particular uh, scripture is concerned, which we discussed at some length, incidentally, in Maya Cosmos. But there are other great books about the Popo Vu. If uh, people are interested, they can certainly pursue it. Well, there are some uh, uh, pre-Columbian texts that the Maya wrote uh, that make some reference to the future. Uh, for example, uh, this year uh, at La Corona, Marcello Canuto and Tomas Barrientos discovered a text uh, that David Stewart of uh, University of Texas Austin has read, and that text references this 13 Bakhtun uh, celebration, which is coming up. So it doesn't do so in any kind of uh, gloomy way. On the contrary, it, it's using it to cosmically frame an event that happened in 692 A.D., so very much in the middle of the classic Maya world. So it was saying, my event in 692 is so important that I'm going to make reference to this deeply future event, which is uh, December 21st, 2012. And now Dr. Van Stone from San Diego 
rejoins the conversation. And I want to emphasize, so much is lost that we just can't say for sure very many things at all. We have, we have excavated about 1% of, of Maya uh, cities and sites. The Maya were uh, day keepers, day counters. They still are, particularly in the traditions of the highland Maya of Guatemala and Chiapas. The long count, which is uh, what the 13 Bakhtun celebration refers to, is a count of days, and it bundles days, as uh, Dr. Stone has certainly uh, illuminated and others. And uh, so they were daykeepers. They counted days and they were very interested in them, not only as unique uh, occurrences, but as um, instances of great patterns um, that they saw uh, through history and through experience in life. And they used that knowledge of the great cycles of nature and of, uh, of the human life and of history to predict uh, things for themselves and for their neighbors and for their societies. In the case of great uh, prophets who were rulers and um, sorcerers and magicians of various kinds, they, um, they were astrologers. And we understand about astrology. We, we keep astrology in our Western cultural traditions. So they, they like to, to make predictions on the basis of the great cycles that they saw in the patterns. So the science of the Maya was really caught up in their religion and in what was perceived at the time as magic then? Well, you know, science in general was, until the modern era, very much caught up with uh, these other esoteric matters. I mean, it's common knowledge that uh, some of the great uh, astronomers of the past were also uh, very interested in astrology and even alchemy, uh, all kinds of uh, Sciences were all wrapped up together. So uh, it's only in the modern era that we really distinguish these matters as we do. Uh, that said, in the modern era, we do uh, distinguish uh, fact from fiction in this way, science from pseudoscience. And, and there's a lot of pseudoscience or uh, what we would say if we were Mayanists, uh, false prophecy being made about uh, 2012 and December 21st that will obviously be dissipated right afterwards in December 22nd. Well, let me get back to Maya Cosmos. Sure. Because that did take a divergent view on this idea that there, that there wasn't some sort of apocalyptic prediction, did it not? It certainly did. What we proposed in Maya Cosmos, uh, Linda Sheely and I, was that uh, the Maya have had a sustained and enduring tradition of religion and philosophy and of aesthetics that uh, is very much alive and well today that survived the Spanish conquest, which was a truly cataclysmic moment in their history, uh, survived this uh, collapse of uh, civilization in the southern Maya lowland area, which is Paten and adjacent parts of Chiapas and Belize and uh, other states. They survived many crises in their lives. They're resilient people. And, uh, and their understanding of the world is very much alive and well today in what we would call traditional Catholicism. They did convert to Christianity. And they absorbed uh, Christian doctrine into their understanding of the world. But as we point out in Maya Cosmos, their religion was about uh, a maze god and his uh, twin brother and how these uh, deities contested 
with uh, gods of death and trick them into believing that through sacrifice they could destroy them when through sacrifice they uh, arranged and facilitated the resurrection of these gods, particularly the maize god, whose name is Shim, is, means maize. And that god resurrected, and from his flesh all humanity was made. And human beings sustain and nurture god, who is maize. And maize provides uh, sustenance and flesh for humanity. And so the contractual obligations, the covenants, uh, the gift-giving uh, that the Maya understand absolutely straightforward. There's nothing esoteric about these matters. Everybody who is Maya knows that they're made out of maize and that humanity is made from maize. So this is not something that ever went away. The Maya still believe it, and the Maya believed it. We now know uh, from substantial documentation in the first millennium B.C., I, I want to follow on one theme that you mentioned about the end of creation at the end of Bakhtun 13. Couldn't you also interpret that to mean that creation is finished and now a new special middle period epoch is about to start? So maybe what this actually signifies is some sort of renaissance at this period rather than an ending? Absolutely. And the fact is the Maya are completely silent on the verb that should be attached to this event. When you say recreation, the Maya use the verb um, to put in order. And that's what happened back in 3114 BC, is that things were put in order. Um, there's a vase that has a list of gods, that apparently the gods were put in order. And um, on stone inscriptions, they say that stones were planted. And they, what they're doing when they say stones were planted is they talk about three stones, one planted in the sky, one planted in the, uh, perhaps the earth realm, one, one planted in the watery realm. And these three stones form a triangle uh, that is a metaphor for building a hearth, building a house. So universe building as house building. And this is a broad metaphor. This is something that, that happens in many cultures, uh, building a universe is like building a house. You know, people forget that there are many living Maya, the, the, the inheritors of this culture, the uh, this race of people are, are, are six or seven million strong. Uh, half the population of Guatemala is Mayan, and half the population of Yucatan, and they have something to offer us. You know, they should not be sitting in our schools learning what we have to teach them so much as, as uh, that's important for them, of course, to, to make it in our world. But we also can learn a great deal from them, and we should sit at their feet. Uh, the Maya today still celebrate uh, uh, the future rather than the past. Uh, when they come and pray at the site where I'm working, which they do on Easter Sunday, they come and pray after they planted their fields in, their, in the ash of uh, the burnings that they've done on those fields. And they pray that the rains will come three days after they pray. So they are always hoping for three days later that the rains will come, three being a magic number not only in Catholicism but also in their religion. They, they are always looking forward. They are always hopeful for the future. And yes, uh, they've experienced adversity in the past and they expect that they will again in the future sometimes. But they are not a pessimistic people. In my experience, they are optimistic. That in Maya country, the majority of the people that I have personally talked to are looking forward to a future uh, that's better than their past, not looking forward to the end of the world. 
Mark Van Stone's book, 2012 Science and Prophecy of the Ancient Maya, is also available as a multimedia interactive iBook. That's a traditional Maya New Year prayer, one we're certain you'll be hearing again after December 21st. Just remember, when you wake up tomorrow on the solstice, it isn't the end. But the Mayans believe it's the beginning, the beginning of a new era and a new cycle. And isn't that really what the solstice has been about for many civilizations for millennia? And with that bit of confidence, a programming note, Latin Pulse will take its usual holiday hiatus and will be back online on January 4th, 2013. On that program, we'll be exploring how new marijuana laws will affect the war on drugs. The traditional Mayan, Mexican, and Guatemalan music in this week's program is from Smithsonian Folkways Music and is used here following educational and fair use guidelines. Latin Pulse is available on the web and via iTunes. To see the Latin Pulse archives of video programs on Latin America, you can check out Link TV's website, www.linktv, all one word, .org, and then forward slash Latin Pulse, also all one word. That's www.linktv.org forward slash Latin Pulse. If you'd like to comment on this week's program, you may leave us a message online via SoundCloud or on Facebook. Or you can write us via email. You can find us at latinpulse at gmx.com. That's latinpulse, all one word, at gmx.com. Thanks for joining us this week on Latin Pulse. For our entire team, associate producer Kurt Devine and announcer Victor Kilo, I'm Rick Rockwell. Feliz Navidad y buen prospero año nuevo. Latin Pulse is produced in Washington, D.C. at American University's School of Communication with the support of Link TV. Theme music provided by Link TV and additional music from Canary Productions and Bathtime Music Publishing. This program is copyright 2012, Las Rocas Productions. <laughs>